الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونتوب إليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله for those uh, brothers and sisters and uh, honored guests who are unfamiliar with the Arabic language, the word that I just uh, mentioned uh, is part of a introductory speech which the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, would use when he would speak. Uh, it means, perhaps we might translate it quickly as, Indeed, praise belongs to God, to Allah. We praise Him and we seek His aid. And we seek His forgiveness. And we seek refuge with God from the evil temptations of our souls and from the wicked consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is none to set him astray. And whoever Allah sets astray, there is none to guide him. And I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship but Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger and his prophet. The topic which I have chosen to discuss with you this evening is concerning the rational proofs used in the Quran. Uh, many of you, upon hearing the title of this topic, might be somewhat surprised and saying, well, what does he exactly mean by the rational arguments or the rational evidences used by the Quran? Uh, before I get into that in earnest, I would like to speak for a few moments about the blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that God has given to humanity of the blessing of our ability to reason, the faculties of reason, reasoning. We all know that there are certain questions which every human being uh, must at some time during their lives come across. Uh, every human being at some time in his life is going to ask himself, why am I here on this earth? Every human being is going to ask of himself, to what end will I come to after my death? Uh, is there a purpose for our existence here on earth? Uh, is there something after death or with death does everything end? What about the nature of the Creator for those who believe in the existence of the Creator? And what is the aim for our existence on earth? These are all questions that human beings discuss either amongst themselves or entertained at some time of their life between themselves. And so therefore, our Creator Allah in the Qur'an, and for those who might not know, the Qur'an, Muslims believe, is the ritual word of Allah, of God, which He revealed to His Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, has addressed these questions and has provided answers which we may, through these answers, know these essential truths. Why should we be important in, in concerned with this topic, the rational arguments employed by the Qur'an? Because humanity, in addressing these questions, usually chooses one of three paths. If we were to classify how human beings address these questions, we would find that human beings address these questions in one of three ways. The first way, which I'm sure many of you, since most of your public college students are aware of, is that way of just intellectual speculation whereby people will sit and think and try by their reasoning alone to find the answers of these questions. And this way has been known or is known as philosophy. However, this way does not provide the answers in itself. Others take a second path and that is of spiritual exercise. They believe that if they were to do certain types of spiritual exercise, their soul will be released from the confines of the body and then they will be able to be able to understand the realities that they are searching. And this is known as mysticism. And in the Islamic framework it's known as Sufism or Tashawwuf. And also this doesn't provide the answer. But the way in order to know these matters is through the use of the way of the prophets and the messengers. Those men who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for humanity as God. And through them, the answers to these questions are provided. 
This way of the Prophet in answering these questions is based upon three matters. The first matter is upon intellectual reasoning, investigating whether these Prophets are true or not. When somebody claimed that he was a Prophet, like the Prophet Muhammad he's either one of two things, either he's truthful in that claim, and he was truly a Prophet sent by Allah, or alternatively he lied. And so therefore anything he would have said would be falsehood. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires of us to use our reasoning in order to investigate the truth. Is this person truly a prophet sent from God, from Allah, and so therefore what he brings is true, or was his claim uh, not true? Now, the second aspect of the way of the messengers is by believing that which God has revealed in the Quran, or in comes from the words of the Prophet. In other words, Allah tells us that after death certain things will happen to us. So since we have used our faculty in order to investigate whether the Prophet is true or not, then upon uh, affirming that, whatever comes to us from the way of that Prophet, we accept and believe it. And the final way, the final aspect, is the use of prayer and spiritual methods in order to firmly root these beliefs in the soul. So then therefore the body and the, the individual reflect those beliefs which he holds. Now Allah in the Quran has told us about those people who were entered into the hellfire, the angels will question them as to why are they in the hellfire. And Allah tells us that they say, that the people in the hellfire will respond, had we listened to the prophets, to the messengers, and had we used the faculties of our reasoning, we would have not been in the hellfire. So when the people who go to the hellfire are condemned there for all eternity, they will realize that their fault was what? They did not spend time and listen to the message, and they did not use the faculties of their reasoning in order to investigate whether that message was true or false. So, to understand the arguments used by the Qur'an is a way to save ourselves from this duel, from this punishment. <coughs> Moreover, we know that when one uses these arguments and one is aware of these truths, arguments based in reason, his faith increases. Faith is a matter which increases and also weakens and lessens. When one does good deeds, his faith increases. And when one engages in sin, his faith lessens and weakens. And likewise, when one knows the arguments and the proof that shows the truth of his religion and his faith, his faith increases. And likewise, when he is unaware of these matters, his faith can weaken because the arguments of those who do not believe in his faith might take root in his heart. The third matter as to why this subject is important is that we, we all know that the Prophet sallallahu has said, بَدَتْ إِسْلَامُ غَرِيبًا وَسَيْعُودُ غَرِيبًا كَمَا بَدَتْ فَطُوبَ لِلْغُرَبَ The Prophet وسلم, has said that Islam began as something strange. In other words, when the Prophet وسلم, was sent to humanity some 1400 years ago, the message of the Prophet before him were lost. And the message of the Prophet were distorted. And the people were either following a distorted message or were following a pagan religion which had no basis in revelation. So when the Prophet came with this truth of Islam, it was something strange. It was something unfamiliar. And so therefore, it was not accepted by the people. But then of course, Islam spread. And Islam reached throughout the earth. And people knew the truth which Allah sent his prophets with. However though, the Prophet informed us that as it was strange initially, it would return strange once again. And that is the meaning of his statement, and that it would return strange a second time. When one is in the time of strangeness, as Ibn Taymiyyah says, when he commented on this hadith, he needs to know these rational arguments used in the Quran as it was known when it first was revealed. And so therefore, our knowledge of these rational arguments is very important and necessary for us to strengthen our faith, and also it is necessary for us when we are preaching Islam, 
If you were now in the halls of your college to come across a person who did not believe in Islam, would you tell him, well, if he was to ask you about your religion and ask you why, would you say to him, because Allah has said so in the Quran? That is not an answer. Because in the first place, he doesn't accept that the Quran is the word of Allah. And so therefore, you have to prove to him first that the Quran was the word of Allah in order to explain to him why that you do such a thing or why you do not do something. So to give an example, for instance, somebody came to you and said, okay, why you do not eat pork? And you say, I do not eat pork because Allah has forbidden it in the Quran. And then he would say, well, why shouldn't we eat pork? You cannot say to him because Allah has just forbidden it in the Quran, because that is not a sufficient answer. But rather, you would have to first prove to him that the Quran is the word of Allah, and then once he accepted that this is truly the word of Allah, then he can understand that since God has forbidden it, since Allah has forbidden this matter, then therefore it is truth, and he would then therefore leave it. And so therefore the use of these rational arguments in calling people unto Allah is important. It strengthens our faith, it fortifies our faith, and also at the same time it's a means for calling people uh, to Islam. But one thing we should understand that the arguments used in the Quran, the arguments of reason, are not like the arguments of reason used by the philosophers. In other words, if those of you who have studied philosophy or logic would know that in their argumentation, their way of argumentation, they have to base it upon a premise, first and foremost. And if you accept that premise, or you can see to that premise, then you can go to the second level of the argument and so forth. However, the manner of the Qur'an in arguing with people, in using these proofs of reason, doesn't require the person to have accept an initial premise. But rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses matters which all of humanity agree upon its truth initially. And so therefore, there is no reason to have a premise which one has to concede to. These are matters which are self-evident in and of themselves. And so therefore, they are signed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the truth of his religion and the truth of these uh, uh, matters of belief. Now, what I'd like to do uh, in the hour or so that I have uh, is take some of these rational arguments found in the Quran and let us discuss them and understand some of their meaning. We know that there are people who do not believe in the existence of Allah. They do not believe in the existence of a creator. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has answered these people or has argued with these people through the arguments of reason in the Quran. One of these arguments used by Allah is a verse from the 52nd chapter, Surah Al-Fur, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَمْ خُلِقُوا مِنْ غَيْرِ شَيْءٍ أَمْ هُمُ الْخَالِقُونَ أَمْ خَلَقُوا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضُ بَلْ لَا يُقِنُونَ These verses might be translated as where Allah says, or were they created out of nothing? Or are they themselves the creators? Or did they create the heavens and the earth? This is a very strong argument. If you were now to travel in a land, let's say you went in some sort of pasture in England, and you found that the pasture was empty, there was no building there, there was nothing there, no anything. And then you came back some time later, and you found a building, and that building was not just built haphazardly, but rather it was built in the best form. Every single part having a purpose. Every single matter having a reason behind it. Working like clockwork. You would be certain that there must have been somebody who built that building. It couldn't have just occurred out of nowhere. It has to have somebody who put that building together. And so therefore Allah answers those people who do not believe in His existence with this argument. Where they created out of nothing. In other words, if somebody says he doesn't believe in the Creator, okay, was he created out of nothing? Did he just himself appear without any reason? How is it that we understand to reason ourselves that if we were to see a pin on the ground, we would be certain that somebody must have made that pin? So how about the human being who is in such perfection and is in such complexity? Is it reasonable that he would have just come together without any person or any instrument to bring him together? This is something that the mind testifies to its falsity, that it would just come together like that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
Or are they themselves the creator? In other words, if they are not going to acknowledge that they were created out of nothing, then the other choice is that they themselves are the creator. And this is also an impossibility. Because we all know that none of us can extend their lives one minute, one second. If now death was to come upon you, you cannot make your life last any longer. If your heart was to stop beating, you yourself have no control over your heart to make it to continue to beat. And so therefore, if you cannot extend your life, how could you yourself bring yourself out of non-existence initially? This is an impossibility. So if they were not created out of nothing, and they themselves are not the creators, then what is the only answer possible? Somebody must have brought them into existence. There must be a creator. And so that the person would know that they themselves are not important, but that they are a weak creation, and a creation which is not that great, Allah then said, or did they create the heavens and the earth? In order to indicate to them that the heavens and the earth, in its majesty, in its vastness, in its greatness, is humanity compared to that is nothing. And so therefore, human beings should not feel that type of arrogance and think of their self-importance. These two verses is a strong argument that leaves a person who denies the existence of God with no answer. And while perhaps uh, the English translation and uh, my ability to express that is deficient. However, the Arabic being the word of God, word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the strength of the word uh, brings the person uh, to a immediate submission to that. And that is why one of the pagans of Mecca said when he heard the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recite these verses in prayer while he was at Mecca, uh, he, he felt that his heart was going to come out of his chest because of the power of these verses. And that was the cause for his becoming a Muslim. Uh, likewise, we find another argument uh, regarding uh, the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a historical incident. And that is the incident between Ibrahim, the Prophet Abraham, alayhi salam, and one of the kings, where the king argued with Ibrahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِي حَاجَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ فِي رَبِّهِ أَنْ أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْمُلْكِ إِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ الَّذِي يُحِي وَيُمِينَ قَالَ أَنَا أُحِي وَأُمِينَ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْتِي بِالشَّمْسِ مِنَ الْمَشْرِقِ فَأْتِي بِهَا مِنَ الْمَغْرِبِ فَبُهِتَ الَّذِي كَفَرْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Have you not considered the incident of the one who argued with Abraham regarding the existence of Allah and he argued because he himself was a king and so therefore he felt that he was a person of power. Ibrahim said to him, uh, my Lord is the one who gives life and death. So the king said, I give life and death. And it's reported that he took a person who was innocent and executed him and took a person who was condemned to death and left him free. So he said, I give life and death. So Ibrahim alayhi salam said to him that Allah brings the sun from the east. So bring it from the west. At this time, the unbeliever was unable to respond. So here is a, another example of a rational argument used by the Quran for those people who consider or attribute to themselves divinity. Attribute to themselves divinity. I remember one time many years ago, uh, I came across a person in the United States who said that he had divine power. So I asked him, I said, okay then, make it rain now. And he couldn't make it rain, obviously. And this is an example uh, from the argument of the Qur'an, that when they are asked... Oh, please speak up, okay. <laughs> I'll try to raise my voice. <coughs> so, the, the point is, is that uh, when people claim divinity, one requires of them to show that divinity, that they claim unto themselves. And this is another argument used by the Qur'an. Okay, another argument used by the Qur'an is concerning those who claim divinity for the Prophet Jesus We know that in the time of the Prophet Muhammad there were Christians, and still today there are Christians. Christians being maybe one-fourth of the world. And this country is a Christian country, and the, uh, looking at the album of the university has a cross on it. So these people believe that Jesus, the son of Mary, was a, is God, or the son of God, depending upon 
their religious persuasion, Allah has argued with them in the Quran and has shown them the error of their belief. One of the verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses in that is that he says, مَن مَسِيحُ ابْنُ مَرْيَمْ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلِ وَأُمُّهُ صِدِّيقًا كَانَ يَأْكُلَانِ الصَّعَامِ انظر كَيْفَ نُبَيِّنَ لَهُمُ الْآيَاتِ ثُمَّ انظر أَنَّهُمْ يُؤْفَكُونَ أَنَّا يُؤْفَكُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the Messiah, son of Mary, was only a messenger. And before him other messengers passed. In other words, his appearance was nothing strange. Before him, there were other prophets and messengers. And this is something that the Christians agree to. They agree that before Jesus, the son of Mary, there were other prophets, like the prophet Moses, like Abraham, like Noah, and others. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says his mother was a righteous woman. And then he says they both ate food. And then Allah says, Behold how we make clear the signs to them. Then behold how they swerve from the truth. What is the reason? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say that after mentioning that Isa, Jesus, the son of Mary, was a messenger and his woman was a righteous woman, and then and his mother was a righteous woman, and then Allah said they both ate food. What was the wisdom behind that? Because in that there is an argument and a refutation of the ascription of divinity to Jesus, the son of Mary. In that if Isa the Maryam, if Jesus, the son of Mary, and his mother, were in need of food, it means that their body is in need of sustenance, and their body is in need of rejuvenation. So if that means that there is a deficiency in their existence, so therefore how could he be the creator of all existence, who is perfect and not in need of that? The second argument is that all of us know that when one eats food, he also releases weight from his food. I mean, the food is digested, right? And then the, what is not digested is released and passes from the body. This is something which human beings recognize as a deficiency, as something which is shameful, and something which is unbecoming, and something which is hidden. And that's why people, when they release their body weight, they do it in private. Now, if this is something, would this befit the creator of the heavens and the earth to be like that? And so therefore this is a rational argument used against the Christians. Likewise, another rational argument used in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَوْ أَرَدْنَا أَن نَتَّخِذَ لَهْوًا لَتَّخَذْنَا مِنْ لَجُنَّا إِنْ كُنَّا فَاعِلِينَ فَالْنَقْبِفُ بِالْحَقِّ عَلَى الْبَاطِلِ فَيَدْمَغُهُ فَإِذَا هُوَ الزَّاهِقُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that were we to have taken for ourselves a diversion, in other words, were we to take for ourselves a child or some sort of uh, inheritor, we would have taken it from that which we have created. Uh, and had we done so. And then Allah says, Nay, but we hurled the truth against falsehood, and it prevails over it, and behold, falsehood vanishes away. What does this verse mean? That had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to take a son, adopt a son, that son of his would not be from earthly matter and have all these human frailties, but would be of that creation of the, which befit to live in the heavens. Because the creatures who would live in the higher heavens, as the Christians would recognize, like the angels, do not have the weaknesses and the frailties and the faults that the human beings have, which live on earth. And so therefore, had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have adopted a son or taken a son, that son or that diversion would have been of those high creatures, and not would have been of this lowly human creature. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says afterwards, Nay, but we hurled the truth against the falsehood, meaning that this argument strikes falsehood, and the Arabic word is Sayyid Mahuhu, which means it knocks the brains out of falsehood, means it brings it to an end, and then falsehood vanishes away, because of the strength of this argument. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran has addressed the argument uh, regarding those people who worship uh, intercessors, and take intercessors between him and uh, between themselves and him and asking these intercessors to pray for them, for, on their behalf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we all know that there are certain people, you find them amongst Muslims, you find them amongst Christians, you find them amongst pagan people. These people will take a righteous person and then will pray to the righteous person in the hope that the righteous person will then pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or petition Allah on their behalf. 
This is called shirk, and this is a sin which God does not forgive. So Allah refuted this belief in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِدْعُوا الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا لَهُمْ فِيهِمَا مِنْ شِرْكٍ وَمَا وَمَا لَهُمْ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٍ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They call upon those who you have asserted as intercessors apart from Allah. They possess not so much as a weight of the ant in the heavens and the earth. And they have no partnership in either of them. Nor have they have, nor does he have any supporter or any assistance from them. And intercession will not avail with him, save for him to whom he gives leave. So in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions four arguments against those people who take intermediaries in prayer. The first argument is that these intermediaries do not possess anything in the heavens and the earth. They have no sovereignty in the heavens and the earth. So therefore, if they do not have any sovereignty, if they do not possess anything, they cannot bring benefit to you. Because a person prays to an object in his belief that that object will bring him benefit or that object will prevent harm from him. And so therefore, when Allah negates that these people, these intermediaries, possess any benefit in the heavens and the earth, possess anything of the heavens and the earth, then therefore to pray to them is false. And then he cuts the fourth reason why people will intercede or take intermediaries and inter ask them to intercede on their behalf. That these intermediaries cannot intercede unless he gives permission to them. And so therefore nobody has a right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where he may speak and force Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or Allah will feel uh, incumbent that he must answer his prayer or his request. Only if he gives permission for that person to intercede, then that person can intercede. And of course we know from the other verses in the Qur'an and the other statements of the Prophet ﷺ that even then Allah will tell him who he may intercede for. So this argument negates the, the people praying to other than Allah, asking them as intermediaries and intercessors. Another argument which does the same is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ مَعَهُ آلِهَا كَمَا يَقُولُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if there had been other deities with him, I mean if these righteous men were also deserving of worship with him, as they had said, then they themselves would in the end sought a way unto the Lord of the throne. In other words, they recognize that these men are righteous men, and that is why they ask for their intercession, and that's why they petitioned them. So therefore, they themselves, those who they call upon, seek to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore, to pray to them is a false reasoning, because they themselves seek to pray unto Allah. Another argument that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses against those who pray to other than Him is His words, مَتَّخَضَ اللَّهُ مِنْ وَلَدٍ وَمَا كَانَ مَعَهُ مِنْ إِلَاهِ إِذًا لَذَهَبَ كُلُّ إِلَاهٍ بِمَا خَلَقَ وَلَا عَلَى بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And Allah has not taken unto himself any son, nor is there any God with him. For then each God would have taken off from that which he has created. And some of these gods would have risen upon others, glory be to Allah, beyond what they attribute to him. In other words, we know that for instance, with kings on earth, or rulers on the earth, what happens when they are vying for power? Either each one will go off with his subjects, his country, and sit on his, on, his, on his own and deal with them by themselves, or if he has an ability, he will try to rise up upon others and enforce his way upon other subjects. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, had there been gods with him, this would have been the same thing would have happened. He would have found deities taking those which they created off on their own. And if they could, they would have risen upon one another. But if you look at the heavens and the earth, this doesn't exist. If you look at the system in the heavens and the earth, if you contemplate how the heavens and the earth is, and how things occur on the earth, you do not find what you find, for instance, among human beings, when people vie and try to rise upon one another. 
but rather the system of the heavens and the earth moves smoothly as if it was under the control of one person. And so therefore this is an indication that there is only one God. And so therefore if there is only one God, He alone deserves to be worshipped and none other. Another evidence which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uses in the Quran against those who pray to other than Him is He says, Ya ayyuhannas, ضرب مثل فاستمعوا له إن الذين تدعون من دون الله لن يخلقوا ذبابا ولو اجتمعوا له وإن يسلبهم الذباب شيئا لا يستنخذوه من ضعف الطالب والمطلوب Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls all humanity to listen to the similitude whereby he says O oh, human being a similitude or an example is struck for you so give ear to it listen to it this is a command from the Lord of all human beings to listen to this example, this similitude. Surely those you call upon, apart from Allah, shall never create a fly, even if they were to gather together to create it. And if a fly was to take anything from them, they would not be able to remove it from that fly. Indeed, so weak are those who are sought and the seeker, the one who prays and the one who he prays to. This verse is a very strong verse and a, a very strong argument against those who worship other than Allah. In that, if those who you pray to besides Allah cannot even create a fly, and if all those folks God put together were to strive, they could not even create a fly, then how is it that you would pray to them, and if a fly was to take something from them, they would not be able to remove it from the fly? So this shows the weakness of those who they call upon and also the weakness of the one who's praying to them. And in this is an argument only to pray to Allah alone, the creator of everyone and of everything. Likewise, Allah uses rational arguments to prove that the Quran is truly His word. And you know, for instance, or you might imagine that when the Prophet Muhammad came and the people denied that he was a messenger of Allah, he said to them, this is the words of Allah that I am reciting to you. These are Allah's words. And so therefore, how was he to prove that these are truly Allah's words? There must be some sort of criterion. There must be a yardstick. There must be a test for us to know if these are the words of God, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or are these the words of a man? And so therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِمَّا نَزَّلْنَا عَلَىٰ عَبْدِنَا فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِّن مِثْلِهِ وَدْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If you are in any doubt concerning that which we have sent down on our servant, then bring a surah like it and call your witnesses, your aids, apart from Allah, if you are truthful. In other words, if this Qur'an was made up by the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was something forged by him, which he falsely attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it would be in the ability of human beings to produce a Qur'an like that, to produce words of similar power, of similar eloquence, like it is of the Qur'an. Because what one human being can do, another human being can do. And even if a specific human being cannot do, then we might imagine that other human beings in a group can do and repeat what that human being has done. So therefore the challenge was to them to bring a chapter like the Qur'an. Now the people of Mecca were opponents of the Prophet Muhammad and they disbelieved in his message and they fought him and they also used to uh, torture his companions, those who believed in his message. And so therefore this was a very easy way for them to prove their argument if it was in their ability. They could have come and said, okay, this is your challenge, and so therefore, we will bring a Qur'an like yours. We will produce words of eloquence, of truth, of beauty, like those words which you have brought. And thereby showing to people that this is not the words of God, which you have falsely attributed to Him. Yet no one ever tried that. Why? Because it's not in their ability. Because the eloquence and the strength of the Qur'an is because it is the words of Allah, the words of the Creator. And no human being can match that. You know, we all know that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a prophet to a people, He sends them with miracles 
concerning that which those people perfect in order to show that that man is truly the messenger of Allah. The people of Egypt in the time of the pharaohs and in the time of Moses were people who were known for their sorcery, for their magic, for their entering into these arts. And so therefore when Moses came with his staff and passed it, the magic of the sorcerers became nullified. And his uh, staff became a snake and ate their ropes which appeared to be snakes. And likewise with his staff he was able to split a sea and the children of Israel were able to pass through. So therefore he came with an ability which neither any magician of his time could do. And likewise in the time of Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam, Jesus the son of Mary, the children of Israel, the Jews, were known for their medicine and for their knowledge of the medical field. And this is until today, you find basically the most prominent physicians and doctors usually are Jewish. And yet, Isa ibn Maryam came with a medicine, with a cure, which no doctor till today can do. In the sense that he would bring sight to those who are blind and would cure the leper and would take a clay bird and blow into it and then it would become alive by the permission of Allah. So this is something that no doctor can do. No scientist in his laboratory can take a piece of clay and mold it and then blow into it and it will start flapping its wings and become live. And likewise the Arabs, being a desert people, they had no arts, they had no uh, science, they had no industry, but what they did have was their poetry. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenged them to bring a Qur'an like that Qur'an. And when they couldn't meet the challenge, he lessened it that they bring ten chapters of the Qur'an like the Qur'an. And when they couldn't meet that challenge, he asked them to bring one chapter of the Qur'an uh, like the Qur'an. And we know that the smallest chapter of the Qur'an only consists of ten words. And yet they were unable to do that. And this is an indication that it is truly Allah's words. Another argument used in the Qur'an to prove that the Qur'an is true and the Prophet Muhammad is true is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's statement أَفَلَمْ يَدَبَّرُوا الْقَوْلِ أَمْ جَاءَهُمْ مَا لَمْ يَأْتِي آبَاؤُهُمْ الْأَوَّلِينَ أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا رُسُلَهُمْ رُسُولَهُمْ أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا رُسُولَهُمْ فَهُمْ لَهُمْ مُنْكِرُونَ أَمْ يَقُولُونَ بِهِ جِنَّةٌ بَلْ جَاءَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ لِلْحَقِّ كَارِهُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, have they not pondered over this Qur'an, or has something come to them uh, which their fathers were not upon? Or did they not recognize who their messenger was, and so therefore they denied him? Or did they say that he was possessed, he was a madman, but rather he has come to them with the truth, and most of them hate the truth? In this verse, or a group of verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked them to contemplate two things. To contemplate the Qur'an itself and to contemplate the one who brought the Qur'an. Because when a person lies, when a person fabricates something, that lie and that fabrication will appear not only in his words, you will find contradiction in it, you will find untruth in it, but also the liar himself will in his actions also belie his statements. And so therefore they were asked to contemplate both matters. To contemplate the Qur'an and to contemplate the one who spoke it, the one who transmitted it, the Prophet And if they were to do this, they would realize that neither the one who spoke it contradicted what was said, nor does what he spoke contradict itself. And so therefore it must be the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, proving the argument or proving the, that the Prophet Muhammad is truly a prophet from Allah, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَعِذُكُمْ بِوَاحِدًا أَنْ تَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ مَثْنَى وَفُرَادًا ثُمَّ تَتَفَكَّرُوا بِمَا بِصَاحِبِكُمْ مِنْ جِنَّةٍ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا نَظِيرٌ لَكُمْ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ عَذَابٍ شَدِيدٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Say to them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa I give you but one admonition, one thing to, to act upon. That you stand up unto Allah. In other words, that you stand up purely for the sake of God. Two by two, and one by one, and then reflect. You will find that there is no madness in your comrade, meaning there is no madness in the Prophet Muhammad He is only a warner unto you before a terrible punishment. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells human beings to stand up for the sake of Allah, in other words, to do this act purely with no other motivation except for searching for the truth, in groups of two, 
and as single individuals. Why? Because when a person is trying to investigate the truth, he does it through one of two ways. Either he will, with another person, discuss the matter, and in their discussion they will try to find if that matter is truth or not, or he himself will reflect by himself. So they are told in this verse to think of all the things which show what is truth and all the matters which show what is falsehood. And based upon that, to determine, is he truthfully the messenger of Allah or not? And to do this in groups of two, in other words, to discuss these matters with one another and to do it by themselves, to think by themselves. In other words, to contemplate if he is the messenger or not. Likewise, the Qur'an uses rational arguments to prove the resurrection of the dead. The pagan Arabs, like many people today, believed that it was incapable, or un- Allah was unable to bring them back to life after they died. And that after death, there was nothing else. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed these people in a verse in his Qur'an, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَيَحْتَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَنْ يُسْرَكَ سُدَى أَلَمْ يَكُنْ لُطْفَةٍ مِنْ مِنِينٍ يُمْنَى ثُمَّ كَانَ عَلَقَةٍ فَخَلَقَ فَسَوَّى فَجَعَلَ مِنْهُ الزَّوْجَيْنِ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى أَلَيْسَ ذَلَكَ بِقَادِرٍ عَلَى أَنْ يُحِي الْمَوْتَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses both groups of people who deny the resurrection in this verse. Those who people feel that there is no judgment and those people who feel that Allah is unable to bring them back to life after death. Because there were two groups of people in Arabia. Those who denied there was any judgment, and those who said that Allah was unable, even though He was the Creator, to bring them back to life after they died. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Does man think of himself uh, that he has just been created to roam on the earth with no purpose and no judgment? When one looks to the universe, when one contemplates this universe, he finds that every single thing has a purpose. Nothing occurs without a wisdom behind it. And those of you who study science are able to probably think of many examples of the most minute things in the human body, or in the plant, or in the animal, or in the forces of nature around us, and each of it has an intricate purpose, and an intricate need, and an intricate reason. And yet, is it conceivable then that man would have no purpose? That he would be created just to left to roam upon the earth and not have any responsibility or not to give any judgment. This contradicts the system of the heavens of the earth. Because if everything in the heavens of the earth has a purpose, then obviously man must have a purpose. And if he has a purpose, then there must be a judgment upon that purpose. Did he fulfill it or not? And so therefore, this argument counters one group of people. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells humanity, that was not human being, was not man first created from a sperm drop that comes out from the male, and then that sperm becomes a piece of flesh which is attached to the womb. And then that piece of flesh grows and is formed, and from it you find two species, or excuse me, two sexes, two kinds, male and female. Now, the one who created a human being, the one who created a live living person from that sperm, from that drop of liquid, is he not able then to bring a person back to life again? Obviously. And that is why the uh, argument is to refute those people who feel that Allah is unable to do that. And likewise, another argument used in the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَضَرَبَ لَنَا مَثَلًا وَنَفْيَ خَلْقًا قَالَ مَنْ يُحْيِ الْعِظَامَ وَهِيَ رَمِينَ قُلْ يُحْيِيهَا الَّذِي أَنْشَأَهَا أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ خَلْقٍ عَلِيمٍ الَّذِي جَعَلَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الشَّجَرِ الْأَخْضَرِ نَارًا فَإِذَا أَنْتُمْ مِنْهُ تُوقِدُونَ أَوَّ لَيْسَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِقَادِرٍ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ مِثْلَهُمْ بَلْ هُوَ الْخَلَّاقُ الْعَلِيمُ الله سبحانه وتعالى says and he meaning the human being has struck for us a similitude and has forgotten his creation. In other words, he has forgotten his origin and this has led him 
to say these words. What are these words? He says, who will bring life to the bones when they have become decayed and brittle? Who will bring them back to life again? Allah says, say to them, O Muhammad, that he who created them the first time will bring them to life again. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives an argument based upon reason. Because you know that the human being, the living human being and the living bone tissue is a live tissue. And it has, it's part of the body. So this decayed bone, this brittle piece of bone, how would it then come to the state of life? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, reflect upon the tree. The tree which is, uh, you know, green, still fresh. From it, you produce fiber. In other words, it is fresh, it is moist, but yes, from it comes that which is hot and which is burning. It's opposite. And so therefore, this can occur within the creation. That that which is moist and wet can cause that which is hot and burning. Then likewise, that which is dry and decayed can become that which is living again. Because we see this in front of us. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Well, is he not Allah, the one who has created the heavens and the earth? So if he has created the heavens and the earth, obviously, he can bring back a human being to life. And so therefore, he is the all-creator, the all-knowing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that his command, when he desires a thing, is that he says to it, be as it is. So glory be to him, he in whose hand is the dominion of everything, and unto him you shall be returned for judgment. So these are just some examples, and maybe I gave about 10 or 12 examples, of rational arguments used in the Qur'an. And while we have to go through them very quickly because of the time constraints, we hopefully we've understood that how the Qur'an uses these arguments in affirming these beliefs. But now I would like to spend the last 10 minutes address something which some Muslims misunderstand. And so therefore, uh, this argument is dealing with Muslims uh, in terms of their belief and it might be, uh, I mean, I seem unfamiliar or seem out of place for any non-Muslims who are in the audience. Sometimes Muslims get confused between the issue of reasoning and revelation. Some Muslims say, okay, if it doesn't fit in my mind, I should therefore reject it. And others say that no, if it doesn't fit in my mind, then therefore, and I find it in the Qur'an, I should take the Qur'an. What is the correct means of approach here? We should know that sound reasoning, correct thinking, will never contradict true revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever a contradiction seems to be there, it's either because of one of two matters. Either the reasoning is faulty, or what is attributed to the revelation is incorrect. But true revelation and sound reasoning can never contradict. Because what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals is the truth. And so therefore what is reasoned correctly would have to fit with that truth. And so therefore this argument that reason and revelation when they contradict, some taking reasoning and others taking revelation is an incorrect argument in the first place. Reason, sound reasoning never contradicts true revelation. So sometimes you might find some brothers, and I remember from previous visits uh, to the United Kingdom, uh, where they'll say, okay, we do not believe that in the torment of the grave. And they'll argue that because we cannot understand how this would occur. So here, they think that the reasoning is uh, correct, but it's the reasoning which is faulty. And the revelation is true because the Prophet Muhammad has informed us and it is attributed to him and we can show that he has said that after people die, they are either tormented in their graves or they receive pleasure. And so therefore here the reasoning is faulty. And sometimes people, because of this one extreme, take another extreme and they say therefore there is no reasoning in religion. And they say the religion of Islam is only a religion of revelation. And they do not investigate in these arguments of reason. Me. Uh, some, uh, one brother, uh, before we started the lecture, uh, came up to me and said, uh, people were surprised that how could you address about the rational arguments in the Qur'an? Well, what is this, the rational arguments in the Qur'an? This is because of a misunderstanding on their part of the nature of the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an has brought arguments of reasoning, of, of, of rationality, as likewise he has brought us information. Things which 
reason cannot enter into it. And I'll give you an example. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and the earth in six days. Is this a matter that can be reasoned? No. This is just mere information. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and the earth in six days. There is no way reason in itself can come to the conclusion that the heavens and the earth should be created in either six days, or five, or four, or seven, or a hundred, or a thousand. This is sheer information. And so therefore we believe in it. But there are arguments which are based in reason, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses in the Qur'an to prove that the Qur'an itself is His words, to prove that Muhammad sallallahu is truly the Messenger of Allah, to prove that He exists Allah, to prove that He should be alone, should be worshipped, to negate divinity from what people ascribe divinity to, like Jesus the son of Mary, or like the pagan Arabs did also with the angels, to prove that there is a resurrection after death, to prove that there is a judgment. These are all arguments which are based in reason. And so therefore, the Qur'an contains both. And as uh, Ibn Taymiyyah has said, which I started off my lecture, that during times of strangeness of this religion, when the strange religion is unfamiliar and unknown, it becomes required for us to know these arguments just like it was required to know them when Islam first came and when Allah initially revealed them. So now it is required upon every single one of you to know these arguments. Because it is by these arguments itself that you prove the truth of your faith against the falsehood of other faiths. How do you now know that Islam is the correct way of life as opposed to secular? Secular liberalism. How do you know that? How do you know that, for instance, that the Islamic way of life for women is better than the Western way of life with intermingling and so forth and free sex and so forth? How do we know that? How do we know that, for instance, that the proofs or the truth that Jesus is the son of Mary is not the son of God and that the Islamic belief that he is only a prophet and a messenger sent by God to be true these are all based upon arguments in reasoning and that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought it and that's why we need them now once you are convinced of these truths then the details which the mind itself cannot understand and cannot uh, by itself reach come through sheer information sheer informing, you are told that it is to be done like this, it is not to be done like that, it is believed like this and not believed like that, but this also comes only after the arguments of reason have proved the initial truth in these matters. Anyway, uh, my time is, I think, coming to a quick end, and I uh, thank uh, the brothers uh, in the uh, Queen uh, Mary, uh, Queen Mary in Westfield uh, College. I sometimes forget where I am these going so many places uh, for inviting me here uh, to the United Kingdom to uh, address uh, uh, this topic and I hope that uh, this topic uh, you found enlightening and might have uh, answered some questions or at least direct you to further investigation of this important topic